That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, you and I are really not at our fullest mental capacity right now. We're recording a few days before Christmas, which means we're on fumes. So just to our readers, anything you want to say in your defense? Me? And <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention to you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I am. Uh, see, see, I told you, listeners, that's what we're working with here. No, so I think, lower uh, those expectations right now. And just for the record, uh, there it's like the apocalypse is going on outside, the nonstop fire trucks. And then um, I have construction guys trying to finish what's called Local Law 11 here in New York City. And so they will be banging. So... So if you hear but any noises, not. listeners, that's what it is. In yeah, Waco, is, Texas, it's just it's it's just the cattle are lowing, just like yeah. the Christmas Carol says. It's just it's just a quiet mm. country town. That's right. But uh, yeah, it is. What you're going to hear is um, if you hear something outside, fire alarms and drilling. That is uh, basically my interior life at this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of like construction meets the dentist yeah, meets right. church. It's all mm-hmm. those fun things together. Uh, peace on earth, on. goodwill towards men. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jake is so afraid. Well, we are going to do sort of a combo episode today. This is going to, because the, the ne- this is for Sunday, January 7th, which is the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Yeah, we only got one Sunday of, of Christmas Christ. this year. I know. And then, uh, and then we have, um, but also the day before that, January 6th, Saturday, is the Feast of the Epiphany. Mm-hmm. And some of you might move your Epiphany readings and talk about the wise men, the Magi, what have you. Um, on Sunday morning, January 7th. So we're going to talk about that gospel reading, Matthew 2, 1 through 12, but then we're going to skip over into um, uh, the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, what is officially appointed for the first Sunday after Christmas, or after Epiphany, January um, 7th. So, you you ready, Jake? We got our roadmap? Absolutely. Feeling? Just take another puff of that vape and let's let's launch. (laughs) So, we got Matthew 12. It's not true, listeners. So yeah, Jake um, just puts a pen cap in his mouth. So, but what's um, the point of Epiphany, basically, uh, Aaron? Like, what is what's the holiday all about, and what does it mean for some of our listeners? So, an Epiphany is it's a word we use in regular conversation. By the way, listeners, don't assume you're, if you're a preacher that your congregation knows what the Feast of the Epiphany is. So, definitely take some time to explain it somehow. Uh, but it's a word that we use in English, obviously, for having some sort of major insight. Like, I had an Epiphany. It in Greek, it means revealing. And it is the revealing of this particular fact that Jesus Christ is not just coming for the um, people of Israel, but he's coming for the Gentiles. He's coming to bring blessing to everybody, fulfilling that promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 that, you know, Genesis would have a land and a people and a nation that would come from him and that he would be a blessing to not just one nation or a couple nations, but to all nations. So Jesus is for everybody. That's the major insight, the epiphany for you and for me. And we see that happen in the fact that these 
magi, these um, wise men from the east, as Matthew calls them in the English translation uh, in Matthew 2, um, that they are um, they're Gentiles. They are from what then would have been known as Persia, today would have been, would be known as Iran. And these men are coming to worship the king of the Jews, they say, the Christ child, the Messiah. And so, uh, here is this epiphany, this revealing aha moment, basically, that Jesus, this Messiah, is not just for the Jews, but for everybody as well. So, that's the kind of meaning of epiphany. So, in terms of preaching it, uh, I think there's a lot of angles you can take, but uh, I think definitely there's, there's a... There's a message here about if you feel like God is maybe not for you or you're not on the right team or maybe you've committed one too many sins or you've been away from the church for too long or for whatever reason, if you think that Jesus is not for you, he's only for the good, the frozen chosen, the holy rollers, uh, the people that go to New Holiness Gospel Tabernacle Church down the street, uh, that is not true. The epiphany is that Jesus is for everybody. And uh, so that's that's one thing. That's one one angle you can take. What about you, Jacob? Well, this, uh, I mean, this passage is profoundly, profoundly rich, and it really ties into um, basically the uh, the Isaiah reading, you know, uh, so fulfilling the Isaiah reading that um, a.k.a. the Messiah is uh, the king in whom all the nations would be drawn to, to not just simply um, come and check it out, but to pay homage and worship. And it's uh, interesting because the last time uh, anybody came from the east to visit a king from Israel, uh, they killed them and uh, dragged all the people into exile. And so uh, this is what uh, this is one of the things that uh, every first reader would have seen is like, holy smokes, there is something completely different about this king. Uh, the um, he is the king that uh, calls the nations to come and pay homage and, and bring peace. And so, but it's interesting because these guys are magi, and the question oftentimes is, well, how did they know? What what about this? Well, um, you know, uh, Daniel was a magi, and so these people had like deep connections to Jewish history as well. And so, um, the uh, the big the big idea here, though, is is that they follow the star in the sky, but the star can't get them to where they actually need to go. Actually, the star in the sky gets them to. Uh, well, the most dangerous man on earth, uh, Herod at the time. And so um, so this is one thing, too, is, is that, you know, general revelation, the like stars in the sky will tell you that um, there is a God, uh, but it won't tell you who this God is. And uh, they Horoscope need go, readers, we're looking yeah, at you. I mean, I, I was just at a Christmas party where, there, like, evidently in the back room, someone was reading tarot cards, and uh, they were like, does that offend you? And I was like, I mean... Uh, it's yes. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I had no Melina, idea. Melina, get your coat. We're going. No, but I just was like, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, for me, it's like a fortune cookie. Good luck. So anyway, but... Uh, um, yeah, the church will be waiting for you when, you, when you're ready to come back. So anyway, but uh, it can't, it can't, they had to go to the scriptures to find out where this king was actually born. And it's the scriptures by where we know that God is good. We know that he is loving and we know that he's a good king. And uh, they... Um, and that's revealed right there in the Bible. And finally, I don't know if you want to say, um, the other thing I would say, and then I'll let you talk about the gifts here and here and the meaning of the gifts. But, um, you know, Herod is the exact opposite. He is, he is the embodiment of the world there. You know, tell, tell us where he is so that I might go worship him. You know, yeah. and this is like how the, the world always operates. It's always telling you one thing and means another. And, uh, you know, it's always telling you peace, peace, peace. 
but behind the scenes, it's always about war, war and death and destruction. And uh, where um, Jesus, in his incarnation in this moment, um, is uh, projecting like weakness, projecting poverty, uh, behind all of that is the power of God for salvation. Amen. Yeah, well, so I'll talk about the gifts, the gold, the frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh. Uh, the, um, I use that joke every time. I know. I learned it, it from you, and I just I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to use it. Uh, so the uh, the gold, obviously, wealth. It's, it's clearly a symbol of of kings. I mean, you got King mm-hmm. Midas. Like gold and kingship go hand in hand. So it's like an obvious thing. It's it's very valuable then as it is now. You can buy gold bars from Walmart.com. By the way, I found that somehow I was doing some Christmas search. You can buy like an you know ounces, two ounces of gold. Serious? For like two grand. I guess they ship it to you. So, wow. hey, porch pirates, I see why you're doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, so gold, wealth, power, kingly stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you have the frankincense. So that's incense that you burn. Smells really nice. I have a candle I bought at Lady Lodge. Shout out Lady Lodge and Stephen Purcell and your folks there. Um, and one of the um, uh, fragrances in this candle is... Um, is frankincense, and it's uh, it's it was valuable. It was costly. It was difficult to make and to procure. Uh, but the incense was, was using the incense a, it's around sort of a sacrifice. priestly thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's uh, was used in the temple worship uh, and in churches that use incense today. It's not just the incense stick you got at you know the Dollar General. Uh, it's um it's it's frankincense is this pr- pr- predominant smell in there and it's the prayers rising to the people so it's something that's connected to kingly ministry so gold or to priestly ministry so gold is king frankincense is priest uh and the myrrh is a, a sort of a uh again it's like a, a fragrant um salve or balm or something that it you was would, used around uh, sacrifice Used and around death. sacrifice, and it's and it, yeah, it's because it's what you used to rub on a body when you were getting ready to bury it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this is a foreshadowing of the of the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. So those are the so in in those mm-hmm. gifts. If you want to talk about those gifts, it's um, Jesus is the King that we really need, not the earthly political one, but the one who really is power and dominion and can um, help us in our time of need. He's the priest who intercedes for us, uh, but he's also the, the sacrificial victim as well, the one who dies for us. And if you do preach about the gifts, definitely make it about what the gifts mean for us, what God has done for us in Christ. Don't make it about the gifts that we bring Jesus. That is not the point of this. This is the epiphany of what yeah. Jesus is for you, not the there's no epiphany that, oh, you got to do stuff for God. Yeah, so, I always tell people, if you want to bring something to Jesus, uh, bring your sin, bring your tradition, <laughs> bring all your anger and frustration, and uh, lay it there uh, at the base of the manger. And yeah. I love how this ends. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. And uh, yeah. the fact of the matter is, is that every time that we encounter Christ as well, Uh, we leave by another road. You know, whether we knew it or not, or know it or not, we leave by another road, the road of faith uh, that's paved by grace and mercy and God's love. And and that's the road for you as well, in the midst of the Herods of the world. Well, to quote Tom Cochran, life is a highway, and I want to ride it all night long. Great. Well, now um, we come to... Uh... <laughs> that was my road, road trip song. Uh, that's beautiful, Jake. I love that. I actually hadn't... Had enough. That's a new insight for me, the, the leaving by a different road. That's great. Um, yeah, so now here we go. On to 
First Sunday after the Epiphany, January 7th, Baptism of Our Lord. We begin with Genesis chapter 1, where God is over the face of the waters. Why in the world is this in here, Jake? It has nothing to do with the baptism of Jesus, right? Wrong. Tell them why, Aaron. <laughs> well, so this is an early description of what Christians would later come to see as the Trinitarian act of work of God and identity and personhood of God. So you have God the Father creating the heavens of the earth. You have the wind from God. The Ruach, wind and spirit, is the same word in Hebrew, is sweeping over the face of the waters. And then God says... Let there be light. That is the word of God. So you have God, Father, God, the Son, or God, the God, the Father, God, the Spirit, and God, the Son, the word of God um, in this understanding uh, here in Genesis, which wouldn't be seen, obviously, for quite some time, but there it is in the beginning. And it's also important to note, um, again, this presence, the divine presence being connected and associated with water and light and the creative power of God. So in the baptism of Jesus, you have the word of God again in the presence of water. And the spirit of God shows up um, uh, with this uh, dove, um, uh, the spirit appearing. Uh, and you hear the voice of God the Father. So it's you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Genesis 1, and you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Mark chapter 1 at the baptism of Jesus. And you have the power, the creative power of God um, to redeem, to save, to create, to make things new, um, where there's darkness, to make light, all of that stuff. So that's what the Genesis passage is getting at. That's great. Um, they're full on drilling right here, so keep going, Well, Aaron. we can't hear it. I can't hear it on my end, so... Oh, it's going to come just... in the speakers big time. But anyway, um, so we come to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, and uh, uh, this is a very... Well, this is a very wonderful read talk about baptism. Yeah, so Apollos, <laughs> poor, poor Jake, he's like basically getting an auditory root canal. At least I can't hear it, but he's like, I don't know if you could hear it, listeners. He's like struggling. Like, so we have this axe reading. Um, so <laughs> hopefully our sound engineer, TJ, can work some miracles with whatever happens here. Maybe you won't know, listeners, but I can see the pain in Jake's face. Um, have you you've seen The Princess Bride um, when... Uh, um, Christopher Guest character turns the, the pain machine up to like 11. That's what Jake looks like right now. Um, when Apollos was in Corinth, so you've got Apollos, who's the, this early Christian leader, uh, and Paul is visiting Ephesus, this church that's in what's now Turkey, and he finds some disciples. And this is where we get in the New Testament this description of how kind of like wildfire and chaotically the church was growing in its early days. So these are disciples of Jesus. That's what it means when they say they found some disciples. Um, the Ephesus, the city that was associated with all kinds of crazy Greco-Roman worship and um, self-mutilation and sacrifices and just kind of some kooky stuff. And But there's some disciples of Jesus there. And Paul is kind of checking their vital signs and says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they no, we don't even know there's a Holy Spirit. What, you know, what is this? Yeah. And they, it's, it turns out they were baptized into John's baptism, which is important because you're going to hear about John in the Mark reading because John the baptizer is the one that baptizes J Jesus. And we, of course, know from 
the this story that it says that you know the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to John. We'll read in Mark's gospel, and apparently also people from either farther away, maybe some Jews that were visiting some relatives in the region, and they were baptized as well. So these folks have received John's baptism, which, as Paul said, is a baptism for repentance. Uh, but now Jesus is here. He's not John's baptism was like a get ready baptism, but now Jesus yeah. is here, and um, uh, and so they are baptized now, not. Yeah. sort of John's version, but they're baptized in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they speak in tongues, and they prophesy, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's what this is about. How do you connect this to people in Los Pews, Jake? Yeah, that's really good. I think it's, um, well, I think uh, how do you connect it to the people in the pews is um, is that, you know, this is really about um, kind of the power and the efficacy of baptism and what it means for you. And uh, so often in the church, even today, people have confused. They think that John's baptism is a Christian baptism, and that wasn't a Christian baptism. It was a baptism of repentance to draw people to Jesus. But the way I would connect it in the pews, especially because on January 7th, you may have a, lot, you may have a couple of people getting baptized. You talk about the power of baptism and how um, baptism, when you are baptized, you, like these people, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and then um, and being filled by the Holy Spirit, there's not two baptisms of the Holy, there's one baptism of the Holy Spirit and it's water. You're filled with the Spirit when you're baptized. And uh, this then immediately, uh, well, they're kind of what we would call confirmation because Paul as an apostle lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then they, uh, so he confirms them and then they go out and they begin to speak in other languages and preach. That's mm-hmm. about, that's the, but you know, when, when we're baptized and we truly understand the gift that we have been given, uh, God's presence dwelling in our very midst, in our very lives, uh, well, it doesn't lead to laying on the couch and eating grapes, but it becomes inspiring and uh, sends us forth to uh, share this good news with everyone we come into contact. Yeah, and I think the, the two forms of baptism that are presented in Acts 19, to me, are a great contrast between what people think baptism is often and what baptism actually is. So many, many churches, the way they teach, preach, and enact baptism, it's like, I have made a decision, I am repenting, I am doing all these things, I am coming to the Lord, I have decided to be baptized. And that's a very, it's a very me, me, egocentric form of baptism, where I am the captain of my spiritual ship. And that is not what baptism is. Baptism is a death, and baptism is being filled by the Holy Spirit, who then does the work in you that you can never do on your own. And I think this is highlighted really clearly here, because they did this baptism of repentance. They did believe in Jesus, but there was, there wasn't this, um, this work on the inside, this Mm -hmm. interior renovation of the Holy Spirit doing the work in you. that they didn't have the the power. So so much if you're and you know if you're going to preach this, I think what you tell people is that if your Christian life is if you are the engine, if you are the fuel, if you are trying to make that happen, you will just end up in a ditch. Um, and the Christian life is one of being continually infilled and refilled by the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit does the work in you. If it's up to you, you will burn out. Um, but if you are filled by the Holy Spirit who does the work, then you can rest because um, He does the work in you. So, turning on to Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 4 through 11, John the baptizer showing up the wilderness, proclaiming, as it says, as, as it said in Acts, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all these people go out there, he's dressed like this wild man with uh, the hide of a camel and uh, this leather belt eating bugs and honey. And he says, and this was actually um, 
the reading from Matthew's version of this a few weeks ago, uh, same story. Uh, but the part that we now get to hear is, uh, you know, what happens next after John is doing all this baptism and saying somebody else is coming after me. Um, it says Jesus of Nazareth comes and is baptized by John in the Jordan. And you hear this, you hear the father saying, you are my son, the beloved with you. I'm well pleased. And the heavens are turned apart and the spirit lands on Jesus. Uh, I don't, not not his head. He does well. It just sounds like a dove on him. We don't. Really, it's like it's this language trying to get at something. It says it descending like a dove. We're not really sure what it looked like. Um, but anyways, I've this is pictures. one of those big deal feasts of the church. Yeah, we've seen the photos. Um, this is a big yeah. deal of feast of the church, and uh, you know, and this is one of the events other than the crucifixion that his baptism that is uh, recorded in all four gospels. This is a significant, significant event because this is. Um, Jesus relating to us in every way possible. Um, you know, Jesus um, enters into um, our baptism for the for, for repentance. Uh, he enters into the murky waters of the Jordan uh, because he's so clean that he can make the dirty clean. He is so righteous that he can make the unrighteous righteous. Usually it's the other way around. You know, usually it's clean things becoming dirty. Usually it's righteous things becoming unrighteous. Usually, you know, that's that's how it typically works. But here, uh, Jesus comes in and he um, identifies with us in every way. Now, there's a very powerful descriptor about who John is, and he's hanging out in the middle of the wilderness looking like, a, you know, he's dressed very specifically. He doesn't have a diet of locusts and wild honey because, you know, that, you know, he was like going, you know, whole two or something like that instead of whole 30. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's because he's a Nazarite. He's made, clean, a, very, that John. He's made a very specific vow. And so uh, this is, he is set apart and this is very unusual. And people from all over the place are coming to hear because really God, for the first time, I mean, is really starting to speak again. And uh, after, what, 300 years, he's really starting to speak again. And people are coming out to figure out what this all is. And uh, here, all of a sudden, Jesus, the Messiah, he gets into the waters of the Jordan. Like I said, the truly clean one, the holy one, identifying with the unclean, identifying with the unholy. And how this connects to baptism today is that now, um, because he is baptized in a baptism like ours, we are baptized in a baptism like his. And when we come out of those waters where we have been buried with Christ... Um, and then uh, not only does God declare, like he declared over Jesus, you are my son, the beloved, with whom you, with, with you I'm well pleased. He says the same exact thing over each and every one of us. Uh, when that, that, that uh, maybe not exactly a dove, but the spirit lands upon our hearts in those waters. God says to you objectively, and man, I, you know, we've all had those moments of the dark nights of the soul. And um and maybe you're going through it right now, but you have to, by the power of the Spirit, pull yourself up and remember that your life is hidden and that in those waters where you've been buried with Christ, God says to you, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Yeah, I, and I think that identification with us, Jesus identifying with sinners, is the key thing here. Um, it is so weird that Jesus gets baptized. Like, he doesn't need to. He's not a sinner. John is preaching a baptism of repentance. Um, and it is uh, um, not 
<laughs> it's something that Jesus needs to do. He doesn't need to repent. But again, this is him stepping into, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became like one of us. He um, taking on the likeness of human flesh. Uh, and this is him getting into it. So it's like, if you think about somebody, a human being, you, me, everybody in our various ditches of sin and uh, all the stuff we got going on, Jesus is not standing above us looking down like, wow, it must suck for you to be in that puddle of mud. He actually gets in the mud with us. And the Jordan does sort of look like a muddy puddle. It's not this great flowing, clear Colorado stream with the trout leaping or whatever. It's um, Jesus is getting in there. And so if you think about this scene of John, he'll be, he would have been standing in the waters of the Jordan River and all these people kind of around him getting baptized. Uh, and Jesus has to get in the water. And Jesus is now in the water, standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side with all these sinners who need to turn over a new leaf. All these, And that's, that's the image for us, that he, he takes on the fullness of our sinful humanity, and he does that here. And um, in another way of just saying, I'm with you in this. You're, you're not alone. Um, in, a, in, a, in a world where people are so lonely and feel so ashamed of ever telling the truth about what they're going through or, or what they've done or who they are, um, Jesus knows that, sees us in that, and he makes a beeline straight forward to us. He doesn't reject us, but he runs towards us, and that's what he's doing here. Um, and here's these beautiful words from the Father, which is the words now we hear. So it's an eminently preachable passage, and if you do have baptisms on this Sunday, which we will at St. Albans Waco, but it's definitely common to do that on this this, uh, this uh, Sunday, the feast day of the baptism of our Lord. Um, it is a, a great example, because if you see whether... Babies or grown-ups, whatever, whoever, but babies, especially when they're baptized, they haven't done anything, and yet they are now loved and hear this word of grace. So, Amen. I think that'll do it for episode 280 of Same Old Song. Um, we wish you... Um, finished, a, finished just in time for the construction guys to go on lunch break. And so. Yeah, well, let's wrap it up. <laughs> okay. Well, have well, a happy, uh, next week. happy if any of birdie, and see you later. Somebody's looking. Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know we crucified him, buried him But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away and yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.